This episode of I Ride a Bike is supported in part by Allspeed, the official bike shop of the podcast. With convenient locations in Portland, Bethel, and Carabasset Valley, Maine, Allspeed is the local shop for everything bike. For more information and to check out their latest hot deals, please visit allspeed.com. Hi, I'm Seth Ballier, the host of I Ride a Bike, where each episode we follow one basic premise, to never grow old, one ride at a time, and the stories that follow. Take me back to the times when we would grab our bikes and ride the days into the night. Though our eyes would soon be open for the Welcome to another episode of I Ride a Bike, the podcast. Uh, it's a beautiful day here in Scarborough, Maine, back in the home studio, and I'm delighted to be sitting down with Marty Malay. She actually listened to the end of the podcast where I say, if you have any stories you want to share, reach me online, and she did. So she reached out. Uh, she is a, a photographer, an artist, uh, just an all-around creative person. And above all, absolutely loves riding her bike. So she reached out to me, said she had a few stories she wanted to share. And uh, so welcome to the podcast. Thanks for riding your bike over today to talk about them. Thank you, Seth, for letting me um, share my story and I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. It's really great to meet you. Yeah. Um, you, I guess you've ridden by the, the house here several times on your way to pick sea glass down to Black Point. Yes. Yeah. It's definitely a wonderful um, thing about why I like to ride a bike is because cars are limited to a hidden path. So you can't hide your car in the bush. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, right. um, and you can carry your bike into the woods and you can go out and explore beyond than a car. I feel like riding a bike and also it helps your mental health as well. And that's important to me as well is just focus and I am a like a solo hermit cyclist. So when I first like moved into Portland, as that's where I started getting slightly good at biking. I was not that good. I was just like such a turtle and cycling all over. And I was like, okay, what can I do? And I was reading like, okay, I went and got my first budget slightly lighter bike at that time. Um, that was like 2014. And my first time I really biked far was Kettenbunk Port. and From Portland? Yeah, from Portland. Yeah. And it took me forever because I did not plan mapping out things. I realized I'm not a person who um, plans out the route. I just wake up and go. That's a great way to do it. So yeah. I went on the Eastern Trail and I was like, this is taking a long time. And then... Um, on um, the rest of the way, I discovered more of Portland outside of Portland. Yeah, that's funny. So you, you basically uh, started off by uh, answering the question I always ask everybody is, why do you ride a bike? But we've now covered that a little yeah. bit. So, But um, I, like, I like what you said, though, that um, and it's something that hasn't really been brought up before. The You like to ride a bike because of the aspect of being able to then get to a spot where you maybe have to ditch the bike and continue on foot or something like that. And that allows you to get further into an area or something like that. It's a pretty uh, cool aspect that I hadn't really thought of before. 
Yeah, there was one situation. So it was last summer. I started to figure out like Cape Elizabeth's hidden beaches. <laughs> and I found a dirt road um, to a, a beach. And um, never heard of it. Zeb Cove. Mm-hmm. Private beach. And I kept going there like, who cares? And then one person has to say, this is a private beach. It is a member only. So I was like, a lot of that around. Yeah, Yeah, I'm like, I personally think beaches should not be bought and it should be part of everyone's enjoyment. And it's because my adopted dad, who is from Oregon, he said um, the coastal beach in Oregon, no one has owned them. It's to the public. And I actually got to go to Oregon, see the the beach down there. And it's so gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a lot of organizations. I mean, I've, I've been uh, heavily involved, at least in the past, with the uh, Surf Rider Foundation. And there's yeah. a lot of that has to do with beach access. And, and Maine is one of those places with a lot of, um, you know, history of, of people owning land on the coast. Yeah. And it's not so much the, the, the beach is private, because I think, and I'm not exactly sure of the rules, but it's the high tide mark or whatever yeah. it is, but it's the access. You can't get to the beach unless you're on a boat because you can't walk yeah. through someone's private land. So it's the access can be a total total pain well I went on Google Maps and uh, I was like oh I can walk right through the woods and go to Zeb Cove like I can lock my bike up at the lamppost and and I did that when I discovered that you can just go there without walking on the private roads and like okay because there's that trust building um capable of this trust and all that nature building is uh, i'm not exactly familiar yeah. with it but yeah, yeah. so I've, I've found my ways now to nice. get around and including in scarborough down at the black point area too that you can go yep. and lock up your bike or something that's being adventurous is an important part of uh you know everything from riding bikes to just enjoying life right yeah <laughs> i definitely learned you gotta treat your bike it's it's like a car because you gotta lock it or as your bike your bike it's going to get stolen there and see them again. Or right, right. Hopefully. Well, before, we, before we get all, all yeah. that, let's back up some. Let's, yes. uh, let's rewind back to uh, the ear- earlier years. And uh, I like to sort of like try to keep things a little bit chronological yeah. if we can. But um, so like, I want to go back to sort of, if you could just start off by explaining uh, your, your, your unique situation, um, where you're from, and, uh, and, and all of that. Then we'll get into more of the bike story. Yeah. So I am Marty, and I grew up in Surrey, Maine. I am adopted. I came in 1990, and my adopted mom and a few American adoptee parents went to Cambodia in 1990. So I really don't remember how I got to this country. I'm like, how did I get here? And my adopted mom got me this little children's book about an adoptive parent flying to the country and journeying back to their new home. But, um, so in 1990, Dr. Daniel Sousa, who, um, and Dr. Hang Noor, he um, played in the Killing Fields in the movie, and they needed 10 kids to get adopted to American families with medical needs. One of my sister, who is from Cambodia, but we're not biological, but we're from the same orphanage. Mm-hmm. Um, she needed medical attention too because she lost her foot. Um, I think she remembers it. She said it was like in the 
village that was burning and a piece of wood in the village, her foot um, got caught on fire. That's how she, she so, remembers. Yeah. So brutal, so sad, yeah. Yeah. So even though I was young and understanding what the history of it, um, so we had to, uh, the journey was, my mom was like, we had to travel into Laos on the Mekong River. It was credit journey. Um, and then, well, Daniel Sousa had connections of getting the, the kids into Thailand. Like, Rich just need to get in Thailand, but um, at that time, the Thai government, like, we're not having Cambodians coming in. And uh, um, so he, the, he connected with people in the government, like, okay, we, they can go so we can get, continue to get to the United States. And then we end up in Seattle and then flying back to the Maine of Surrey, Maine, where everything is, that's where my journey of my life begins with nine adoptee children, four of them are blind, and one wow. of them is blind with mentally delayed challenges. And I was one of the sisters who had helped raise my siblings. Wow, wow. Yeah. And, and I mean, and, and not that you, you said you didn't necessarily have memories of uh, being in Cambodia as a young child, but uh, quite a difference going from that scenario to beautiful little Surrey, Maine, and just a completely, uh, completely different scenario, right? Yeah, what's unique about Surrey, I mean, like, we're like in the middle of nowhere, but well, my adopted mom, when you get older, you can appreciate why, like, you grew up in Surrey, Maine. So we live a mile down the beach, and it's really gorgeous. Um, so you can see Calac Mountain from Newberry Necro Beach. It's like a tiny beach. It's, it's gorgeous. And um, 20 minutes from Bar Harbor, and this girl went up and have, like, we're able to go when we got older, like, to go and just go to Acadia National Park and enjoy mm-hmm. the nature. Um, my first time riding a bike was, I was young, so kind of young, and I like, it was like a pink bike, one that was like training wheels. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you remember how, how old you were then at this point? <laughs> Maybe like six okay, at yeah, that time, yeah. so I kind of started like riding that bike. And then uh, um, my sister, my Cambodian sister, um, She's always good at talents and stuff. Like, okay, I want to start learning how to ride a two-wheel bike. So she taught all my, taught me and my two blind siblings to ride a bike. Yeah, Yeah. so my blind siblings, like, well, we want to ride bikes. And I'm like, okay. I was very bad directing. I got sick and tired of saying, left, right, no, go straight, no, ditch. And they're like, so it's not a busy road on Newberry Neck. But guiding, like, two blind people on the bike. I can only imagine, right? <laughs> yeah. So my sister, like, helped them figure it out. And it's really interesting because when you're blind, you, you, your ears are more tuned mm-hmm. to the sound. And you tell them, there's a car coming. And they were this laugh. They wouldn't care. I'm like, oh, my God. Were they, were, did they get to the point where they could actually ride the bike? Like- yeah. Yeah. So we got, like, our basic cheapo bike for like walmart bikes like we didn't care like sure, uh, yeah. yeah as a like, kid you have a bike you have a bike right? yeah. yeah and you know the boys had like the red like boys bike from walmart and um they were so into riding uh, the bike and um we main adapted 
you know, main adaptive. Mm -hmm. yep. So main adaptive, when I was living in the Downeast area, I would take them to like the Eagle Lake mm -hmm. um, to go cycling with main adaptive. So they enjoy that. Yeah, that's really great. Do they yeah. do they still ride bikes at all? No, they no. don't. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah we, they moved on. More of a childhood dream. Yeah, type more of thing. like like childhood fun like what else is there to do in the middle of nowhere right, right sure in, in the summertime like there's like a field that's open you can um wild blueberries there and then you have like um perry's loft a shop down the road and it, um he will let us um fish on his dock and oh, nice. highly recommend to go there yeah what was that perry's lobster yeah, shop? yeah 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 perry's lobster shop yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and then we had like called the morgan bay and they're like this kind of little zen buddhist like i don't know what you call it like a buddhist people can just sit there and do meditation mm -hmm. there's like a pond down there and you can like skate in the winter it's really like in Surrey, it's not a lot of diversity we're like the only diverse people so yeah, i was gonna say that's the one thing about you know i mean maine in for the most part is not a very diverse state unfortunately but anyway so like growing yeah. up in surrey yeah i mean yeah we're like the only like <laughs> diverse people i'm like because growing up it's like oh god and then you get older you're like oh there's people like us like we're like we right. get in like oh there are more diverse people like so it's like feeling like we're younger it was so hard to fit in like it's definitely like elementary school and middle school yeah i'm sure like your identity yeah. you know and coming from a, a scenario where you're an adoptive family added another layer to it all right yeah yeah so it, it felt like you know like okay we have diverse in my family so i don't feel too lost but when like when you get outside beyond like your neighborhood you're starting to see like diversity like conflicts and trying to fit in and where you belong mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so yeah so um with, with the uh growing up in a small town like that though you had you had your bike your sisters had their bikes things like that your brothers um did, was biking and cycling a big part of your life from that time on I mean not in that time so I had a former mentor um way back um, from the Big Brothers Make Sister program. Mm -hmm. And she was a very uh, um, avid for like being outdoors. Mm -hmm. Like she pushed me to be outdoors. I was like, I've been like, when I was young, like a kid, 11 years old, like, I don't want to go hiking in Acadia. Oh, I always do that enough at College of Atlantic summer camp. It's called Summer Field Studies. So our mom, like, signed us up for those. I'm like, oh, more hiking. Right. So as a kid, you don't really enjoy that. Now looking back, I do. But um, It's um, always the case, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the Big Brothers Big Sister program, my former mentor, um, she got me into the outdoors and... I got into my, she got me my first bike, that, that heavy brick bike. And that's where I started, maybe like um, when I moved back from Boston, when I lived there for two years studying like photography and figure out what I wanted to do, but feeling the obligation to help my adopted mom still. So that was a little bit of power struggle, but mm -hmm. I, I went back to Maine for, I guess because I felt like I needed to help with my adoptive mom with my sibling who is mentally delayed mm -hmm. and blind. She's from Nicaragua. But, um, at that time, I was bicycling 
I would like go to Acadia National Park and bike the carriage trails, but I wasn't that good. Yeah, I was like, the hills were a killer. Mm-hmm. I didn't really enjoy it because I felt like me was a little bit competitive. I mean, my former mentor, Coda, says she could bike the hills easily. So I was like, okay, this is not fun. But 2014, that's where I really got into bicycling after. But I talk a little about my photography. So after like I graduated high school, um, I was fortunate again that um, my former mentor helped me pay um, to stay in Portland. And then I had someone who's from the art paid my tuition to study at New England School of Photography. But that's no longer there anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a really small community school where students studied photography and passionate. There was one photographer who had connections to the Boston Bruins and the Celtics. Okay, yeah. That was my highlight because I gone to four um, Bruins game and four Celtics game, and it was really cool to have that to see the press credential and how sport photography is very competitive. Mm-hmm. Was that something you were interested in prior? Was actually sport photography? Yeah, okay. a little bit of sport photography and some travel photography. I was fortunate to to travel to Guatemala with the photo group mm-hmm. for a week, and we were like there during holy week in guatemala antigua and we got to like pick a um a documentary story and then um i got to go to a malnutrition center for children who are malnourished mm-hmm. and low family poverty families who brought their kids to get nourished so but brought me a little bit of triggering memories like that was me when I was right. three. Yeah, sure. Yep. So I had like a huge heart uh, compassionate to these parents and it just brought me a little bit of that kind of like feeling of like this is what my life was before. Yeah, that, that must I, I can imagine in reflecting back on a, a scenario like that. Does that cause you does that give you a drive to continue wanting to travel and and uh document some of these types of scenarios yeah i'm more like documenting a different story i guess mm-hmm. for me like for a, as an adoptee i went back to cambodia in 2009 so after i graduated from newton school of photography a few months later in 2009 the fall um dr daniel susa called me up and like you want to come to Cambodia? I'm like, well, you know, I don't have the money to do this. And my former mentor pay my plane ticket and everything wow. to go That's to incredible. Cambodia. And I came back to my, uh, I was, came back from my mentor's house and um, I didn't know how to say to my uh, mom, like, so um, I'm planning to go somewhere, and it was really hard for me to like say it, it was like it October. It's like I'm going back to Cambodia, and the ticket is paid for. And she was like, "What?" Did, did you make it sound like you were going back but not coming back? To no, she or? was just shocked. Right. She runs um, Christmas wreath from Maine. And at the time where she needed my help the most. Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> Like, well, I'm going back, and uh, it might be three months, but um, 
fine way before Skype and FaceTime. Um, so, uh, you know, the, remember those Skypes things that you buy, like... Oh, yeah, 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 Skype cards. Minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. So, yeah. like, okay, um, and <laughs> here's funny. my little... Yeah, and iPhones were not, I mean, yet that high tech. I think it was, like, the first iPhone, but it didn't have, like, FaceTime or anything. Right, right. 2009. Yep, yep. First iterations of the iPhone, for sure. Yeah, so this was, like, my... Even though I went to Guatemala with a group, but it was my first time where I'm really going to travel. Like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, I'm going to trust I'm going to meet up with Dr. Daniel Sousa and a few groups. Um, and had you kept in touch with Dr. Sousa? Yes, yep. yes. Um, he lives in Hawaii. He keeps inviting me to go to Hawaii. He has <laughs> a um It'd be a nice place house. to go visit. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. He has a treehouse, but he travels a lot. He's always on the go. Um, yep. and he's he's like either in Thailand or he'd be like somewhere in the middle of Asia or something. Yep. Um, he goes to Thailand a lot. Um, Doctor Suta knows. Um, Samet Mai. Samet Mai was actually the one who knows the um, government in Thailand. Mm -hmm. So okay. she did the translation for why the kid, 10 kids were coming right. to the United States. Yep, yep. So I actually got to meet Smith Mai when I actually went back to Cambodia and went to visit Thailand. So it was like really nice to see the woman who helped also get the 10 kids to go further. What was your uh, general like reaction to being back in Cambodia? And where were you in Cambodia? So I went to Phnom Penh, uh, where I landed, and it was really weird because I didn't speak the language. Mm -hmm. I mean, I fit in. I was Asian. <laughs> I had my adoptive mom contacts and my dad and my former mentor just in case something like happens. Mm -hmm. So the custom, they started speaking Khmer to me because I see this U.S. passport. It's like 20 years later, 2009, I think. Yeah, it's like 20-something years. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't speak Khmer. And I knew who I was supposed to be. Um, Daniel, who says Frank Khmer, the lady's name. But she is from Cambodia. And she journeyed through Thailand because she was a refugee uh, as well. Well, she was a lot older than me, but she was a refugee. So mm -hmm. she talked about how she had to go through Thailand into the mountains of Cambodia and walk to wow. Thailand, uh, Doctors Without Borders. Yeah. Um, so I was meeting her, but at that custom, I was like, no, I don't speak. <laughs> I was like, they're like, okay, how does this person have a U.S. passport 20 years later? Like, but I can't smell do my cloth palette. But um, um, it was very overwhelming. But I was seeing a lot of in my head, like, this is what my life could be mm -hmm. if I wasn't adopted. Right, interesting. Yeah. Um, I got to go back to... The the orphanage is not there, but I got to go where the orphanage was. And it kind of brought me, like, it was something that I was trying to surf up, but my brain wouldn't let me see it, um, let me go into that. How, how old were you in 1990 when you... I was three. Okay, yeah. But so. I think I'm technically young. So my Cambodian sister, we... We decided that she's the oldest sister. I'm the younger sister. Because <laughs> clearly she is. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I was like three. Yeah, I so think. there, I mean, there might be fragments of memories. No memories. But not really, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, so buried or, or wherever, yeah. 
Yeah, a lot in Cambodia is all tuk-tuks or little bicycles with one little stoplight in the city of Phnom Penh. And I met this um, Cambodian guy who showed me around Cambodia a little bit, and um, he asked me about the United States. And I'm like, and he asked, what's America like? I'm like, I really don't know because all I know is it's cold and it's windy and it's... <laughs> I know Surrey, Maine, Surrey, Boston. Maine, Boston. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, that's like I haven't really explored in the United States. And that's where my um, photography idea came in too. Like I want to make this bicycle trip happen, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure how to do it or like do how to sponsor. I like kind of like brainstorms daydream where you either trust your instincts and just go like don't plan right or plan it out safely and how you can make it happen yeah yeah so that's where i'm a little bit stuck yeah well we'll we'll get into that a little more in the second half too because i wanted to i wanted to go on to that idea of of your 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 journey and, and what you hope to get out of that so um so backing up to your, your your bike where you really started getting into cycling, yeah. though, what was that experience like and what was the reason that you sort of decided that that was going to then become an important part of your life? So um, make short story short. So I was studying art at Mecca um, in 2013, the fall, but that course has changed um, different paths. I won't go into detail behind that. So then a few months, so the summer I got into cycling, my Portland is like, who needs a car? Mm-hmm. You know, like in downtown, but I had a, like a car, but I don't really drive it much. I was living with my adopted blind Ethiopian brother at the Irish Network, mm-hmm. but I wasn't working with the Irish Network yet in 2013, 2014. So, um... I started cycling, starting small, like, okay, learning how to bike in traffic. Right. I, I didn't take a course, how yeah. to bike, in, the bike lanes weren't there, and I'm like, okay. A little different you? than the carriage trails yeah, in or the Eastern Trail. Park. Yeah, you know? it was a totally different, <laughs> and i like, not yet good at cycling up those times. Was it intimidating, like with traffic? Yeah, it, it, it was. Yeah. We were just not at that time. There's no bike lanes. I'm like, well, maybe there was a few, but I didn't understand bike lanes right, at right. that time. I don't think I don't think people in cars understand bike lanes that much either, unfortunately. So, and I was kind of a bit reckless. I was not a bike helmet person yet. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, what's the risk of me getting hit by a car? But you know, I have my Big fair risk. share <laughs> too. Uh, so I was like, okay. Uh, I'm getting a little bit better cycling traffic and got to know downtown Portland, Eastern Prom and like all that stuff. And then like, well, what's beyond Portland? And I didn't really use Google Maps at that time. I kind of just decided to just go. So when I first started, I actually put my car in the bike, the car, um, the bike in the car. And then I kind of just drove out to Cape Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. And then like, oh, well, I could bike this. So then I tried for the first time in that summer of 2014. I'm like, oh, my God, the hills. It's <laughs> killing me. I like that brick Gary Fisher in the kickstand. And I'm like, this is killing me. 
So I was like, <laughs> it would take me longer to cycle around. Now, like today, I can cycle up those hill like yeah, nothing. Yeah. So um, then Con- conditioning and practice and uh, keep on doing it, right? <laughs> yeah. So you know that hill and two two headlights. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that hill was such a killer. Coming up from the lighthouse and the yeah, way back out. I was yeah, like, sure. Oh Very steep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was like steep. And I'm like, okay, so that was something. And then I started exploring like Falmouth and Scarborough. And last spring of 2022, um, a former art teacher who's um, a photographer. Um, I stay connected with her. She's an avid cyclist. Um, so she told me some ends and loops of Bar Harbor and um, Acadia National Park. Like <laughs> That's great, though. I mean, and, and is, you must have had a, must be an interesting experience going back now as a cyclist, as an adult, and looking at all these trails and things. that you They were, they were there before when you were a yeah. child, right? But, you know. but now seeing them, like, oh, I didn't know about this. Like, oh, like, whoa, like. You, it's like, and then when I first time biked that loop, it's like 26 mile loop on, on the whole entire, um, park loop road. Mm-hmm. It was hard for me to bike that. And now it's like, it's easy and I can like cycle with no hands off my saddle seat. Yeah. That's one of your favorite <laughs> things to do. Selfies <laughs> while standing up. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> literally I, I, so <laughs> 2014, the summer, I was so excited to ride my bike with no hands. I felt like a kid. Even I'm like in my young to like, now nah, I can ride my bike with no hands. Like, <laughs> yay. And There's something quintessential about riding a bike with no, without using your hands. Yeah, <laughs> and I remember where I finally got it. So, you know, in Falmouth, that beach where the death school for the blind? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not Backstor- blind. Ba- yeah, the up. death school. Island, yeah. Um, so that's where I Extra learned. School? Yeah. yeah. yeah I so, so that's where I now I can bike, let go. I was so excited. And it's funny because Falmouth, that's where I actually got to officially, it was really busy construction at that time, that bridge. Mm-hmm. And I like, I've been passing a little bit every, you know, every day over the years to like get this right to cycle out off my saddle the busiest intersection i finally nailed it like, oh, yeah. yes and don't let me get hit by a car <laughs> right right your, your final great feat right yeah <laughs> like terrible. now now yeah. i can do this it's like yes yeah, that's great so i want to go back to yeah. um so you had your gary fisher still this is 2014 right yeah, yeah. um and so so you're enjoying cycling, but yeah. you're realizing maybe that, you know, an upgrade in a, in a bike might be an important part to further adventure. Yeah. So what what led you to the next? Uh... One, I, so you know the GNC um, yep. YouTube, uh, like, bicycling thing, they were calling it the same rate to ratio and lighter bikes and budgeting, like, the bike that will fit you. So I was looking for a budget bike and, you know, I paid, I had a credit card, so I paid that off for that bike, but that bike got stolen. (laughs) And that was like, oh my God, like first time. Like right after you got it? After I paid it off. (laughs) Oh, geez, of course, right? Well, I don't know, is it worse if you still owed it on a credit card or is it worse, you know, no matter what, but either way, it's not a good thing. No, but uh, so I'm like, okay, my budget is a thousand dollar bike lightweight and um 
so I went to Gorham Bike Shop and it's like, okay, I just want something that's basic, lightweight, and that's too heavy, like in between where I can easily climb the hill, slightly easy. And so I like a straight bar. I wasn't huge yet on the drop bars mm-hmm. yet. So um, so I got myself a basic straight bar bike that was light. And I was commuting. I was going to um, athlete going to community college at Southern Maine Community College okay, yep. as well. And you were living in Portland? Yeah, yep. but still with my uh, adoptive brother. Um, so I was like, okay. So I started off with that, and I started training myself slowly with the bike, and it was a huge difference. Yeah. From day one, was it a huge difference? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So weight to ratio, I know people get into that whole body weight thing. If the lighter you are, the easier to climb hills. So that was interesting. So I was trying to balance each of that. So I got really good, and I got really good at cycling in traffic. I was cycle eight hours. This is before I had a job in the life. <laughs> I was cycling eight hours every day. No way. Wow. Yeah. Yes. So these pesky and, jobs get in the way, right? Yeah. So... <laughs> Eight hours straight. I was that was my old bike I had, a Gary Fisher bike. Mm-hmm. So I had the lighter bike that summer, and I I know people said don't estimate the drivers because last year um, I was thinking like okay this car. I thought the car was going straight and it turned the right. Right in and, front of you. Yeah, yeah, and I hit a car, and I hit my head pretty. First time hitting my heart, my head hard. And I'm assuming you were wearing a helmet at that yes, point. Yes, so. I was. <laughs> I'm wearing my nut, that helmet. Yeah. I was so disappointed. I was like my favorite helmet, but Lucky Pock had that still on the website, so I replaced my nice helmet that I loved so much. But I would not panic. It was the driver. She just got her license. Oh, jeez. This poor high schooler. So I'm one of those cyclists who don't yell at people. Like, it doesn't help the situation. Right, right. I'm like, don't. Keep the know. energy level. Yeah. Low, I'm like, right? I'm fine. I'm like, well, do you have any, like, bandage in your car? <laughs> and you get up and you don't feel anything. But then the next day, like. Oh man, I you're feeling the whiplash, yep, and yep. I like I'm a person who's very stubborn. So they say you should not be cycling when you have like your first hit concussion. Yeah, you gotta wait a little bit. <laughs> I did not do that. I'm yeah. like I'm the next thing I'm on my bike biking back to Scarborough and to the beach. I'm like you know blah yep. blah blah. I was like. So I got that stubbornness in me because I don't like to feel like one accent affects. I just go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. want to be like, oh, you know. So I'm one of those people who. <laughs> well, any any uh, bike accident you can yeah. you can walk away from or ride away from is a you know is a good one for anybody. So yeah. So I'm like, well, I don't got any broken legs. All I have is. <laughs> My head is really pounding really bad. Yeah. Probably wasn't a good idea to get back on the bike then, though. No, but that's that's me. I'm yeah. like, yeah, I'm back on the bike. And my doctor's like, you shouldn't be. And my former therapist, like, you shouldn't be. Like, and I'm like, screw it. I'm going. Because I'm my happy moment. I'm like, okay. You know? Yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah. a person who likes to take time at all. I like, endure the pain. <laughs> 
Well, let's before we get into uh, the, sort of the, the the next little phase here and stuff like that, let's take a quick yeah. uh, commercial break, and then I will come back and sort of talk about uh, what you're up to now and what your future plans are and your your dreams yeah. of that uh, big cycling ride. So, yeah. all right, well, we'll be right back after these messages. Kmart lets the good times roll with Kawasaki Hot Cycles from the toy department. Classy green machines with mag wheels, wide track tires, and simulated roll bar. $20. Little ladies move in style on the powder puff model, featuring adjustable seat and custom floral design. $15. Sale priced and ready to roll, now through Saturday, at Kmart, the saving place. Finally, the days of having dirt back under the tires is upon us. Well, maybe some mud and a few sketchy potholes, but it's spring, and I for one am stoked. And to get you ready for another great season, all you have to do is stop by Allspeed's amazing new flagship store, conveniently located right off the Portland Trail System at 936 Brighton Avenue. In addition to a full range of bikes and accessories for riders of all levels, the super-friendly staff at Allspeed is ready to help with everything from your basic spring tune-up to a full custom build. And be sure to keep an eye out for a season of fun events, parties, and shenanigans. With convenient locations in Portland, Carabasset Valley, and Bethel, Maine, Allspeed is the local shop for everything bike. For more information and to check out their latest hot deals, please visit Allspeed.com. Allspeed, the official bike shop of the podcast. And welcome back to the podcast. I'm sitting here with Marty Malay and uh, been recounting all sorts of tangent stories about uh, bikes and just life in general. Um, but one of the things you touched on was when you went back to Cambodia in 2009 yeah. and you met somebody who had asked you um, what the United States is like. And at that point, you hadn't really had a lot of experience with much more than just the Northeast. Is that right? Yeah. Pretty much. But um, it sounds like that maybe sort of sparked this uh, idea that you have, which I was I found pretty interesting. So maybe you want to dive into sort of the spark and then where, you, where you're going with it in your mind and in your ideas? Yeah. So when I went back in 2009 and I was like in my young 20s and it was like that 20-year mark of when I left Cambodia in 1990, it was this really nice person who I met. I, you know, you got to trust your instincts when you're traveling. So, like, this person was really, I got to meet his family. He um, was in the, a little bit of the countryside of Cambodia. Um, if you do want to bike in Cambodia, um, gravel bikes would be the, because the road conditions are not as good. Very dusty in Cambodia because all that dirt picks up. Mm-hmm. Um, my idea, so one day I was just sitting in a um, small, like, little restaurant in Phnom Penh. And um, Tira, his name is Tira, um, he asked me what, you know, America is like. And I'm, like, sitting there. I'm, like, I don't know. It's like, I really don't know. I was, like, okay. And then it brought my spark because... I really haven't explored America that much. Um, 
The only place I really got to explore was the Oregon coast because my um, adopted dad grew up there and he took me and see the Oregon coast. Mm-hmm. And that was a little bit of the ocean, but not really like the inside of what America is and It feels like. a little bit like Maine, but different. But yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's definitely a time where like now like America has so much history of diversity and conflicts and like there's always uh um now it's during black lives matter that happened too and this really finding like in my photography i want to like photograph as an adoptee adult is to photograph what america is to me because i think most adoptees struggle with fitting in like where do they belong where they fit in and how do they can make peace with themselves in America. Um, I feel like if I do this journey, for me, it would come to like help me with a closure to feel like I did something for myself mm-hmm. and to feel like, okay, I'm not alone in this travel, like traveling to find where I fit in. Right. And I found like, well, I could uh, do this photography uh, idea story because I definitely have a story to tell. But I'm not very good at pitching the idea or how to plan things correctly. Mm-hmm. So you need some support there, possibly. Support yeah. there, yeah. possibly. Um, I mean, you've already said you're not good at maps, necessarily. Maps. <laughs> no. Um, so maybe like, so it, I really, it's hard for me to do the social skills because. All this time, I am a hermit cyclist. I go on my own, mm-hmm. and I just cycle alone, and I discover things on the way. Um, so I'm not a group cyclist. I'm a soloist. But my adopted dad, this is not biking to Black Point to the beach. This, <laughs> right. is, this is where you have the plan. You got to think about your safety. And I guess some people feel as a woman, it's a little bit of a challenge because you got to be the safety of that. And I was like, okay. And then my other side of my head like well marty just go just pick up and go don't plan it just go one day one day when you feel ready you're just gonna go and drop everything and forget that money doesn't matter forget about everything and just go and i'm like okay so i get a little of that in my head yeah yeah i mean there, there is a line there i mean there's something about being spontaneous in in it um i'm i'm a planner though myself so it, it I, I like being spontaneous but i, I I, uh, I'm always more comfortable when I at least have some checkpoints, I guess, planned. So it's, you know, I'm not sure what I'm going to do between point A and point B, but I know that I'm going to point B eventually. So, you know, I'm somewhere in the middle there. But <laughs> um, The photographer who I met uh, when I was going to Summer Festival of the Art, she's the photographer and the cycle. She biked across the country. I don't think alone, but she but she showed me this website. I can't remember what it's called, like a cycling website, recycling people who join together mm-hmm. and that you can plan out your trip across. Because she was very out, like, you have to plan this trip. This is not where you just go and think about, like, oh, there's crazy thing, like, well, safety, taser guns, a loud <laughs> thing that you take out. And right. It's that loud. But, like, yeah, safety is one of those things that you would have to. 
I don't think we actually explicitly said it, but you're, yeah. you're talking about doing this trip on a bike, obviously. On the bike, right. definitely. Right. I want to do this on the bike. Um, for so without, without planning it necessarily, <laughs> what would sort of your vision be? I mean, ride from Maine to California? Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, One wh- person's like, you should just go to Hawaii and just don't come back. Like, just go, like, end it from there. But, yeah, like, do, like, that and then ride my bike back, maybe. I don't know how, like, I've never done this, but I yeah. definitely want to do it. But it's, like, when, but time it will unfold maybe yeah do you have ideas on how long it might you might want to take to do something like that a year or two maybe like yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, definitely like a project you right. know i would have to take time off on my job you know i'm like a person who's like paycheck to paycheck but you know mm-hmm. but it's something that i want to do because it also like it's really good for them your mental health but i what i went through growing up and now what i went through so i was like this would be a good healing i talked a lot about this with my therapist for two hours i get this two-hour session as like I really want to do that. And she's like, I can see you biking across the country one day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I can see myself doing that. Like just photographing. Now it's like people like take videos, but in between like video and photograph, making this like a, an essay story, like what through adoption as well, what I went through and talk about the sensitive topics that it's challenged for adoptive parents to even talk about. Mm-hmm. So, sure. yeah. I mean, you clearly have the adventurous spirit and the sort of just uh, yeah. close your eyes, point in a direction and go for it type of attitude. So I think that's something that's in my, you know, limited experience, something that's very important in order to take on such a lofty adventure. Um, and, you know, having your background and your history and then sort of the desire to share your own personal take on your story and everything like that. I mean, I, I absolutely could see you doing this. You know, I would still recommend maybe some maps and planning a little yes. bit, you know, but, um, you know, you, yeah. you do it how you do it. And, you know, yes, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> that's really exciting. I mean, and obviously there's a lot of resources out there, too. Like you're saying, you know, there's you know millions of people, maybe not millions, but have ridden their bikes across the country or big sections and, you know. Yeah, definitely. Um, there are a lot of resources. Um, I'm like help fiction sponsors. And that's a whole different side, like writing up the stories, trying to explain the plan and having it all planned out, the mm-hmm. extension. How many years would it take you to do this? It's like writing a book. I mean, writers take, what, two or four years to write this book sure. to sit down yeah. but this is a little a little bit different it can be in between photography and video too as well like a documentary i would imagine too your story or your maybe your sort of outline of your story and what you're trying to accomplish would change as you're doing it too like well, as yeah. you get more information yeah. more your thoughts you're you're in your head writing for you know 10 12 hours a day you're going to be thinking maybe i should do this now yeah. or whatever right? yeah well what is like this is the reason why you bike so much because you're training yourself and you don't even realize it. Yeah. And they're like, I mean, think about that. So all those years I've been cycling. Yeah. Like maybe Both I the don't physical want. and the mental aspects yeah, of it. Yeah, the physical and the mental aspect. Because um, our fat, my adoptive family, um, 2002, 2003, you know the salt documentary yeah. in Portland? Yeah. Well, they did a documentary on us. Oh, they did? <laughs> yeah. The Salt Institute did? Yeah, no yeah. Kidding, yeah. So they did that. So that gave me like an like a feel idea of doing that mm-hmm. as well. Uh, to do it in a documentary aspect of my adoption. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, obviously you have a lot of, uh, I mean, that included inputs and, and little nuggets of experiences that have happened in your life, right. That are sort of culminating in this idea. So I have no, I have no doubt you're going to make this happen, um, at some point in the, probably the near future. So. Yeah. It might be in my forties or fifty, but somewhere like you'll do it when you're ready. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And yeah. time will come. I don't like Russia, but I definitely like, I think things happen because it's really interesting when you're psyching alone and you meet different people on mm-hmm. the way and it's really cool because one time I was cycling in, um, in Cadia National Park. It was last spring and these two people was like, are you that person who bikes around Cape Elizabeth and Scarborough? Oh, really? Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's me. So my small world, like, okay. So I feel like people are noticing a little bit, like who bikes around solo on their own? The short little Asian, like on a bike, right. tuning out, dancing or screaming on a bike, whatever. I'm like, yeah, this is, this is me. So yeah. you see people like cycling with groups and, you know, like, but I'm like, yeah. It's me. You were saying too, uh, this, you're a what, hermit cyclist or solo yeah. cyclist or whatever. Um, what what aspects of that do you enjoy most? And I think you were just talking about the screaming or the, the singing things. Like, you know, what aspects do you really enjoy about that? I enjoy that you can be like in your head, but not all the time. But I can like do deep breathing. I can do like Tai Chi on my upper body bike. Mm-hmm. It's really cool to do that. I enjoy like, the things that you find on the road, it's like finding treasures. So like seven time I was like, I gotta get a wood board to make my art with my sea glass. And then I'm biking on the bridge into Portland. I spotted the state of Maine. There was cutting boards, you know, like oh, yeah, you yeah. see at like at Holesworth. And then I found one right on the bridge. An actual like st- cut out the state of Maine yeah. cutting board just right there. And like, this is not a reason to ride your bike because right. you see objects. Yeah. And then um, sunglasses. Normally you find a lot of broken sunglasses. November, last November, it was cold and it was windy. And I was pushing against the wind on that bridge, and I spotted a pair of Ray-Bans. Not, not just any Ray, like the polarized lens. Like, these are like $200 sunglasses, but I was like... <laughs> Sitting down the side of the road. Yeah, and so I was like, it's like finding treasures. And yeah. I think when you're cycling with groups, you don't get that opportunity to like really stop and see what's on the ground. Good point. Like, yeah. In Cape Elizabeth on Shore Road, like every beginning of June, there is a turtle, two snapping turtles that come out, and you get to pause and see that turtle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is so, a, a. I mean, I like to. Uh, ride bikes with friends, you know, occasionally yeah. like to ride solo. Um, I love riding with my wife, Katie, um, because she, even if I'm we're together, she will be the one that wants to stop to look at the turtles too. So it's like, you know, we can have a shared experience, yeah. but like being able to, if you're with somebody else, being able to take those breaks and not just, no, we got to go like, you know, 40 miles just straight without looking anywhere, but right in front of our tire, you know, it's, um, it's nice to take those uh, side detours, find those treasures, you know, feel like a kid when you're on a, a bike, right? Yeah, it definitely feels like Go no hands. <laughs> yeah, no hands, you know, but um, it's really cool because you see so many things that you don't even realize. Every day, like, people are like, why do you go cycle in the same? I'm like, it's never 
the same. It's always different. Like, and have you noticed uh, how many birds right now too? Yeah. I mean, I've ever just walking outside this morning is the number of uh, different birds that are coming back for spring is so nice. I love it. It's a lot early now. It, it yeah. feels like it's earlier. Yeah. 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 And yeah. it's also like you kind of learn how it is to navigate yourself confidence to have that little like risk factor mm-hmm. so like you when you learn to just cycle alone you kind of like learn your instincts to like oh this is not safe or you know like trying to like trust people when you break down like mm-hmm. one time during covid when it happened and, and like i had my covid shot and my um bike kind of broke down again and this really nice gentleman just like i'm heading into like portland you need right like sure thank you yeah that's nice so yeah. you you find a lot of nice people and then you find people who can be really rude but yeah there are, yeah. I mean, there's both sides of it but i like to think that you know me- meeting these nice people or the people who go out of their way to stop and help you it's like that that give that really you know restores my faith in humanity yeah a me bit, too you know? yeah. yeah like okay there are there are nice people and that's when like cycling to bike across the country is like learning to trust your instincts mm-hmm. like okay if i was cycling alone and didn't have a, a team or a group of people that coach me through this what would you do in this situation sure yeah you know like I tend to watch a lot of horror films. So I'm <laughs> oh, <God>. like, <laughs> they're sketchy. Like, right. okay, in the middle of nowhere of Utah or whatever. Right. And they're like, shit, what's going to happen? <laughs> right. Maybe, maybe maybe watch less horror films yeah. and watch uh, bike repair videos instead yeah, or something. I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I am trying to teach. So I... I, I actually find myself made myself learn how to change my back wheel. See, I did well with the front wheel, and then like learning to change the bike wheel if I had a, like a flat, mm-hmm. for instance. Like I had a nail like a few days ago, and I was like, crap. So now I'm just carrying my spares with me. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Those was, are the basic skills are so important to to uh, to have, and I for one, have not utilized them very much lately. And I'm nervous about like some upcoming uh, longer rides my wife and I are going to be doing. So we're, we've been actually watching videos and we're going to do a little um, bike clinic in our garage at some point here. Yeah. So anyway, it's all a learning process. Yeah, and, it's you know, so, yeah. yeah. Um, that is also a lot of things I need to learn is to do this bicycling happen. And they're like, and my other side project, I have two ideas in my head with biking across the country, but maybe down in the future. But lucky I got to go to Cambodia. But if it doesn't happen, one of my ideas is to go back to Cambodia again, but going back solo on the bike mm-hmm. yep. and to photograph like the culture where I like to get myself like, Oh, that's what I missed to, to be more in the rural area of Cambodia yeah. and really like photograph that too as well and combine hopefully those two. But that's just like yeah. one of the thought dreams I would like to have happen. It's important to have those, you know, and, and one will lead to the next or, yeah. or it'll lead to a, a one you haven't even thought of yet, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Um, it's really good to have that idea. And I'm really glad that I am able to bike. I might do the Eastern Trail again just for the fun of yeah. it on one of my days off. I might do that. There you go. But yeah, yeah biking all over Maine is really nice and meet people and 2017 the summer packet Dempsey. i this is a funny one so 
I just like woke up one morning. I'm like, I'm just going to bite the kid I'm bunk for. Because that's what I do. It. What else is there to do on your day off? So I was like biking and I get there. I don't know who Packet Dempsey was at that time. So I'm like, okay. So I saw him coming to the coffee cafe. I didn't write, like who was. Was he, was he on a bike or was he just He was just walking. Right, okay, yeah. You know, I didn't know who he I was like, okay. And um, went in and get my weird kind of combination bagel, bagel with cream cheese and ketchup and mustard. Okay, that's <laughs> interesting. Go ahead. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm waiting, and the young people there who worked behind the counter making videos like started like asking for selfies, and I'm like, why are you? And I asked him, I'm like, why are they asking you for selfies? And I got to share that I just biked from Portland to here, and he was like, oh wow, am I wearing my Darth Vader Crocs? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I did it for no reason. <laughs> and towards the end, he walked out, and I'm like, wait. Are you the pack of Dems? And you're like, yes. I'm like, oh, that's why they're asking for your selfie. But I think he liked the fact that I didn't recognize him. I'm I sure, just yeah. talked to him like, yeah, I'm you're just. You're the one out of a million people that probably wouldn't recognize Patrick Dempsey when he walks into a coffee shop, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was like, like, people, and so, like, my one of my coworkers said, yeah, I know the Dempsey challenge. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, okay. So I looked into that, and it's like, how will you do that? I'm like, no, there's too many people. Like I'm just, but it's a really good cause. Yeah, it's to a great cause. But cancer. Maybe yeah. not for the uh, hermit cyclist though. Yeah, <laughs> large group is too overwhelming. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm not a large group yeah, person. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, I think for cycling, the area, no matter what age you are, definitely like, like try out cycling or find like an activity sport that you like because it definitely helps like with your mental health and just being out and fit and you never know what you can find on the way too. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. That's great. I feel like that's a probably a good spot to sort of close out this yeah. awesome conversation, you know? Yeah, I mean, thank you. The, the yeah. idea of uh, just, you know, inspiring someone just to get out there, be outside, be with your thoughts and it's it's only going to make your day better. Yes. For the most part. <laughs> so, well, before I, before I let you uh, take off on your bike and head off to find more sea glass or wherever you are yeah. next on your day off, um, is there anybody you want to say hi out there too or anything you want to plug? Um, just hi to everyone and enjoy the summer and spring and wherever you are, warm climate or, you know, just enjoy every moment of your life. Yeah. You know, and just take it easy and, you know. That's a, such a great sentiment. I love that. And yeah. where were they, uh, if they want to follow along on your photography and potentially somewhere down the line, is there, they can find you on online somewhere? Um, I'm very open to Instagram. I'm, I am very truthful on my Instagram. I don't paint things as like a perfect picture. Like I, sh- I share my deep personal life of my mental health and just cycling through and as an adoptee. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely like, an Instagram where it's very raw and truthful. So, yeah. Yep. But I appreciate yeah. that. And you know, when I, when uh, you reached out to me and I, I looked through your stuff, I, I knew it'd be a great conversation. So where, what is your uh, Instagram? Blue main photography. So, right, yeah. right, at yeah. Blue main photography. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought it was. Yeah. I, at blue main photography. You can follow along and eventually, uh, keep in, keep a uh, track of where the big adventure starts and takes off or this adventure just keeps on going. Right. Yeah. So, thank yeah, you. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks so much for your time today. Um, this is a great example of anybody out there. If you have some stories you'd like to share on the podcast, you can track me down on the website, iRideabike.com, or follow along on social media at iRideabike. And until next time, ride safe and ride happy.
take me back to the times when we would grab our bikes and ride the days into the night. Though our eyes would soon be open for the a production of iRide LLC. For more information, please visit iRideABike.com. Theme song by Spencer Alby. Want to hear more? Enter at Spencer Alby on socials and streaming platforms.